0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to the podcast, Dog Mom Mentality, where we strive to play with dogs and not emotions. I am your virtual bestie, Caroline, and I have my furry friend here, Layla, and we are going to give you a break from your day to talk about all things dogs and emotional well-being. If you have ever been emotionally affected by your dog, then this is the podcast for you. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a, another episode of the Dog Mom Mentality Podcast. I hope you are taking care of yourself this week. I know as a country, I know I do have some some Canada listeners and maybe some from other countries, but I know in the U.S. it has been a crazy couple of weeks, and I hope that you are taking so much care of yourself um, with everything going on, and I... I I'm just happy to be here. I'm happy to be back on the mic. Um, I know last week the intro was a little bit shorter. I was in, I'm not going to lie, I was in a rush. I was just really, really busy. Um, and I also just wasn't feeling the best. But now I'm back. I'm here. I'm feeling great. am I'm, I'm happy to be here talking to you. And I also have a new mic set up. And that is just making me feel good because used to the mic was kind of like, up and down and it was like kind of covering my face a lot. It was like hanging over my head. Now it is like down and up if that makes sense. Um and so I just feel like my face is more visible to the camera whenever I'm recording with people. Um I'm not having as many like wire issues. It feels cleaner and so that has me feeling awesome. I'm so excited about it and I'm really glad that I took the time to fix this whole mic issue. But anyways, uh, like I said, I hope you are having a good week and taking care of yourself. Uh, this past week has been very busy with my nine to five job, and then I also recorded a as a guest on another podcast. So that is fun. If you are interested in listening, you'll have to check out my Instagram stories because I'll be sharing that. And yeah, just a lot of like nine to five work. <laughs> But it is, it is now the weekend. I am I'm doing this. I'm taking a few days off for the uh, long weekend for the 4th of July. And taking that time off is going to be really helpful to replenish my energy. So I hope you and your family and your dog um, or dogs stay safe during this time. Um, I know we have had fireworks going off for like two weeks now. Um, kind of sporadically, but I know um, tonight and probably tomorrow night and Monday they'll be going off for hours. So I am prepping for that after this. I'm gonna take Layla for as long as a, as long of a walk as we can um, with the heat and then come in and get us all ready to to survive the fireworks. <laughs> um, luckily she has done a lot better this year than she has in the past super thankful for that. Um, I think part of it might just be the sound desensitization that I've worked with her on um, like playing firework sounds in the house and like working on different sounds during box feeding. Um, but then also we've had some some great supplements, some CBD, some great treats that have really had a good calming effect on her. My happy for this past week is that I have been really embracing dog mom mentality as a business. So like I have the shirts and the podcast and then like Instagram and, and social media And I really do run it like a business sometimes. I mean, it's definitely a creative outlet and like it started off as a hobby, but now it has turned into more of a business. Like I do have it registered as a business, which is pretty cool. And so I've started embracing that a little bit more when talking to people. I've gotten a lot more confident about talking in it in that kind of like business way. Um, So that has been really cool for me. I feel like I've broken down like a lot of mental barriers I've had around that. So that's really awesome. That makes me like really proud and happy. And then my crappy for the past week has been um, some of the things that have just been going on in the world. I feel like a lot of people can relate to that. And the fireworks that has, has definitely been a crappy. It's been awful having to prepare for it and making sure that like Layla is taken care of um like I said luckily she has done much better this year than she has in the past which I am so thankful for um but it's still rough to prepare for that and think about it and I just get like anxious dog mom worrying that my my sweet little baby is gonna be scared and I don't like to see her scared uh so that has definitely been one of the crappies for this past week So I asked you all to submit your happies and crappies like I always try to do and I'm not going to read your crappies this time because a lot of them were very vulnerable, very deep and I don't feel like it's my place to speak on some of these um, just because they are very personal but I just want to say that a lot of people are dealing with very difficult things right now. So it is very very important to be empathetic and kind and compassionate towards everyone, regardless of if you think that they have the best life. It is super important to to just be kind at the moment. Um I think that's all I want to say about about these crappies and Thank you all for sharing these with me. I really do appreciate it. Um and I am going to share some of the happies, but it's it just felt like this time the crappies were a little bit crappier. I'll I'll just say that. Now for the happies, we did have some very fantastic happies. A lot of things to celebrate. Um, so, this person had their six year anniversary. This person said they got their first job. This person said they secured their first paid partnership. The weather is cooling off, starting agility class. Um, lots of like injuries coming to an end and getting like bandages off or stitches out or like more freedom to do things after an, after um, an injury. This person said they felt really productive this week. That's amazing. Going on vacation. So lots of happies, which is so amazing. And I hope that each and every one of you really relishes in all of these. I have been dying to record with today's guest for quite some time, and I am so pumped to finally share it with you. So Jillian and her dogs, Dobby and Max, live at the Jersey Shore and love being outside. She says what makes them unique is that you wouldn't expect to see a girl and her two 12-pound terriers crushing mountains all year round. Dobby is 7 and Max is 4, and although they may look similar, they have very different personalities. Jillian works full time as an occupational therapist in a neuro rehab hospital and part time as a freelance photographer doing portrait, lifestyle and product photography. And I will say she is so good. I just I love to look at her uh, photography of her dogs, especially with products. She does really, really great. When she is not working, you can find her outdoors hiking, camping, riding, climbing, and pretty much anything that includes nature. Jillian provides excellent insight on what it's like to adventure solo with your dogs and how to manage a reactive dog amongst others while hiking. This will be a really great episode if you have a dog who is reactive and you're thinking about bringing another dog into your home or maybe you are already in this situation Or if you are an owner of a small dog who is kind of reluctant to do big things like go on huge hikes with them, Jillian shows that it is all possible. It is all possible with two dogs. It is all possible with a reactive dog. And they are just so badass. I love it. If you like this episode, I would be so honored if you would give it a rating and a review on whatever platform you are listening on and starting this month, we will be doing a raffle drawing for a shirt and a sticker from yours truly. All you have to do is rate the podcast, take a screenshot and send it to me on Instagram so I know that you did it. Or you can leave a review and put your name or handle in the review so I know to add you to the raffle list. That is it. I hope you have an amazing week and let's get into this episode with Jillian. Hello dog moms and dog dads. Before I get to this episode, I want to take a moment to address the June 24th, 2022 Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe versus Wade. This decision stripped away the right to have a safe and legal abortion. Everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for themselves and their families, including when it comes to ending a pregnancy. This decision has dire consequences for individual health and safety and could have harsh repercussions for other landmark decisions restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care including abortion threatens the health and independence of all americans you can learn more by visiting podvoices.help which i've included in the show notes and if you're able to support others please consider donating to abortion funds i've also included these in the show notes i encourage you to speak up take care and spread the word Okay, let's give a warm welcome to Jillian. She is the dog mom of two smaller dogs, which is pretty cool because they're small dogs that do huge hikes. That's like kind of what she's known for, um, and all of her amazing pictures. So welcome Jillian to the podcast um, Layla's in the background chewing on her Kong with, uh, some of her, her food and water that's frozen. So please just ignore that. <laughs> I keep hearing it in my earphones and I'm like,
1: Oh, Layla. <laughs> Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much for coming on. Um, so if you just want to tell us a bit about
1: yourself and, and your dogs and any fun things that you've been up to. So I'm Jillian. Um, I'm an occupational therapist living and working in New Jersey. Um, Dobby and Max are my two dogs. So they're both Yorkie mixes. Dobby is a seven-year-old Yorkie poo mix. And Max is a four-year-old Yorkie shih tzu chin mix. So he's quite a mixture there. Um, We've been good. Um, I have a couple of little things planned coming up. I was invited back to an Airbnb that I stayed at in April. So I'm excited to do that. Um, this coming month. And then knock on wood, I don't want to say yet, but I'm trying to fly somewhere with Max this year. So oh, how fun. Yeah, I've been hinting at it on my page. So if you've noticed little hints where I might be going, it's on there, but I don't want to say anything on here to jinx it. (laughs) (laughs) That's understandable, but that's really fun. Have you ever flown with him before? I have not so I'm kind of nervous that's why it would be with Max first because one Mm -hmm. if you're flying you can only bring one dog anyway um and two he's the most chill out of the two of them so I think he'd do the best with it and he's you know they're both crate trained so Mm -hmm. I've been kind of preparing him for it with like riding in the little travel crate in the car and all that stuff so um yeah I'm hoping it happens it's just really finding a flight that's affordable (laughs) right Yeah, that,
0: that makes sense. I I hope you get a go on it. That would be so much fun. I think I am scared to take Layla on a plane. Um, not like the plane in general, but where like with bigger dogs, they stow them with the cargo
1: that just freaks me out. Yeah, I I get that. I did see, um, if you follow the mountain Queens, she's moving to Scotland. Mm -hmm. So if you need big dog, uh, traveling in a plane advice, she's probably a good one to watch. Wait, is she moving? I think or she's, she's just going. going. No, I think they're like packing up and moving. Wait, their no first freaking course. way. Okay, I don't want to like spread false info, but if that's okay. like actually uh, what they're th- doing, that is cool. As I'm pretty as well. sure she is. <laughs> she's she was selling her Colorado books <gasps> and stuff. So no way. That's what oh I, I saw gosh. My Okay, head.
0: I follow them. Have to confirm.
1: <laughs> yeah, I
0: followed them, but um. I did not know that. Like, I saw that they were going to Scotland, but I didn't realize that they were moving. So, that is so cool.
1: Don't quote me, but I think that's what I saw. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everyone. <laughs> Don't say Yeah, Some exciting life news to share. Remember how I said we're moving to Scotland in, in September? So, yeah, no it, it was. Way.
0: Okay, that is so neat
1: but so you might have to get her oh, on for so a cool. traveling
0: with big dogs to another country podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, for real. Like that is seriously so cool. Um, Maggie, her one dog is really, really cute. I think,
1: mm-hmm.
0: well, they're both cute. Um, But I think Maggie is, is really pretty. And I follow her um, brother, like one of her litter mates too. So that's like how I actually found them is because I like was friends with one of the, the litter mates and then um I found Maggie through that. So that's really neat. Yeah. Huh so cool. Okay. Anyways so you do like super badass mountain hikes with your dogs and they're really small. So I feel like you typically don't see small dogs doing these like awesome hikes. Honestly, like they've probably done more hikes and like have gone to cooler places than me Um, and I'm (laughs) a human. So what is like the coolest one that you've ever been on with your dogs?
1: Okay. So I have a couple, but I just have to give people an idea of how big they are. So they range between like 12 and 15 pounds, depending on the time of year. Right now, Max is a hefty 15 and he needs to lose weight. So <laughs> <laughs> I do like to keep them between like the 12 to 13 range, but they're not like tiny Yorkies, like most would expect, like they're not seven to eight pounds. So that's <laughs> nice, but they are still relatively small. Um, so let's see. I think their first biggest hike was a hike that actually made me go like, wow, they can actually do this. That's cool. Because I was worried about that for a while. Um, they crushed two high peaks in the Adirondacks on in the fall, like two, two, uh, falls ago. And there was like 60 mile per hour winds on the peaks. There was like mud up to their bellies, um, in different parts of the trail. So those were our first big hike that I was like, okay, they can do this. Mm-hmm. And then, um, we did two large hikes on my fall road trip this past, uh, October. So I took them on like a week long trip up through like New Hampshire and, um, Vermont. Mm-hmm. So we did their longest hike, which was Mount Musalak in the South Peak Loop in New Hampshire. And that ended up being like eight and a half to nine miles, including the walk from the parking lot, which was a 2,506 elevation gain. Wow. Yeah. And then um, the hardest one, I think, for both of us was probably one of the shorter ones we did in Vermont called um, it was like the Chin Route of Mount Mansfield, which ended up yes. being you know that hike? (laughs) Yes, I actually do. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm going to say, unfortunately,
0: because we did not know what we were getting ourselves into. So we were going to Maine last summer and we were doing like a road trip. So we stopped in Vermont and we wanted to hike Mount Mansfield, but we like had no idea like what we were doing. We just like found one of the, the routes up to it and we're like, okay, we'll just do this. Um, and we were in our van, so we couldn't like get to one of the easier ones, um, because of like the, um, like regulations to what cars that they would like let go up there. And so we found this other one and we started going on it and we were like, wow, this is like really steep, like really steep. And we had Layla. And so then, um, we started like going up rocks. And then we were like, wait, why are we doing this? And then we we're like, we literally cannot get back down. Like it would be dangerous to go down. And so we just had to keep going up. It was very scary. Like, <laughs> I never yeah. want to do it again. It was so scary. And we like, having the to, like the I swear it was like, so, it was, I mean, we should have. Well, I, that sounds familiar, but I swear this was like called devil something. Okay. That's not the one I did. <laughs> like we should have known, like we should, but we didn't have self-service. And so oh, yeah. we were like, oh, we'll just do this one. Like on the map, it seemed like pretty short. I swear it was called devil. Something we should have known by the name. We should have been like, yeah, we, we shouldn't do this.
1: Yeah. That, um, so we did the via sunset Ridge hike, which was a 5.2 mile round trip. Right. So you think 5.2 miles round trip, nothing like two, two miles up, two miles down or whatever, mm-hmm. two and a half miles. Um, but the elevation for that, for those two and a half miles was 2,539 feet, Mm -hmm. which is equivalent to the same elevation I did over four and a half miles on the hike, the longer hike. Right. So if you think about the steep, you know, the grade of the hike, it's a lot more over that short amount of time. Um, and this was after I had driven from Vermont because I was living in my car that week for like half the week. Mm Um, I arrived at my trailhead parking lot, like bedroom, essentially. I like slept at the trailhead that night. It was like a campground. Um, so I slept in my car. I woke up, I texted like my people to let them know, like, if you don't hear from me, like, right. this is- <laughs> <laughs> um, I ate a bar fed the dog's breakfast and we like headed up the trail from there. And I was like really nervous, honestly, cause I knew how steep this was, but I was like, Oh, it'll be fine. We'll take our time. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, we started going up and I think I was like a mile from the the summit and I actually stopped and I was like, shoot, I don't know if I should keep going. Like they're, they're looking tired. Right. I'm getting tired. And you know, when I'm hiking by myself with them, it's a lot more risk than with somebody else, you know, Mm -hmm. I hadn't seen anybody else on the trail yet. So, you know, like if I get hurt or they get hurt, it's going to be a lot harder to get out of here. So I sat there for a bit. I fed them water, gave them some food. And I kind of let them lead the way. And if they decided to keep going up, then I'd follow them. And they did. And, you know, sometimes with dogs, I know they'll go past their pushing point, but I know my dogs and they won't like
0: mm-hmm. if they're tired.
1: I know when they're tired, they're not going to keep going. So, um, you know, we just took our time and we made it to the top and I was really proud of them. And I was proud of myself because I got scared too. I was like, shoot. This yeah. is really not- <laughs> oh my gosh. Totally. Like we aren't hikers like you are.
0: And we were just like trying to go for a casual stroll. And then it ended up being (laughs) terrifying. And yeah, like we had Layla and, you know, we were, there were definitely parts that we felt like we were almost rock climbing, like not rock climbing, but to us, we were like, this is crazy. (laughs) And like, there were definitely parts that we were like having to like me hold Layla's butt, Bobby got get her harness and like get her up. Like we were, it was very scary, but it was even scarier to think about going down. So we were like, we just have to keep going up. And then once we got to the top, you know, there's like different routes back to the bottom. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think like we ended up having to walk a little extra once we, um, like once we got to the top like back to our car because we wanted to go a safer route (laughs) that was like less scary but even if it was longer
1: yeah and you you probably know from like the rocks up there like those rocks at the top are very sharp they're not yes so i was getting concerned too for like their feet because they're going down like these really sharp rocks and i you know i checked them after and they, they they've built up their paw pads pretty well like i try to prepare them for stuff like this throughout the summer so um, they didn't have any issue, but man, I was just like, this is a proud moment for us. Got to get a picture up here. <laughs> oh yeah. As it should be. We
0: were kind of mad because once we got to the top, it was so foggy and like, we oh, couldn't no. see anything. So we were like, uh, wow, this, this kind of sucks, but it's whatever, you know, it was an experience. Um, I will personally never do that again. Kudos <laughs> to you if you do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i wouldn't mind doing a different approach a little bit of a longer approach okay
0: well not the devil's i swear it was called like the devil's chin maybe devil something like it definitely had or hell's chin something like that like it was You're gonna have me name, looking up roots on all trails right now <laughs> yeah it was like a name that we like should have known like oh this is probably a bad one but we you know we were just dumb
1: <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't even know why i picked that side i think it was because i found a campsite there so i was like all right i'll go up that oh was it the hellbrook trail
0: yes hellbrook yes don't do it everyone listening do not do that
1: 3.7 miles and twenty six eighty three elevation gain that's brutal yeah (laughs) don't do it we did not know
0: what we were getting ourselves into at at first we were like oh like this is kind of fun like a little bit of a challenge then we were like, well, we literally can't get down now. So the only thing to do is keep going up. Yeah. yeah. Where we were like not ready <laughs> one for <of> this. The,
1: <laughs> one of the first reviews, there's a brook and it's hell. <laughs>
0: yes. Yeah. That's right.
1: And like I, yeah.
0: It was yeah, it was awful. Um yeah. Do, would not recommend unless you are <laughs> intentionally looking for a challenge and to be out there all day. <laughs> (laughs)
1: yeah we got lucky because it was like a cloudy sunny morning mostly cloudy but when i got up there there was no it was like a 360 degree view it was beautiful oh yeah it's very pretty and i did get lucky that it wasn't sunny on the way up because there was so much exposed rock face and max Mm. gets overheated really quickly so on the way down i was like thankful we were going into tree line so that worked out
0: yeah i don't remember the route that we took going back down um but it was definitely a lot more, like, it had a lot more trees, greenery, shade, whereas the um side that we were going up was more rocky and wet. So, well, I'm glad to know that we've both done the same hike and that we both made it out of life. <laughs> <laughs> so Max is four and you, like, describe him as the more happy, social Um, and then Dobby is your older one, seven, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. And, um, he's brought you to tears. (laughs) is what you said (laughs) (laughs) with his reactivity. So could you describe his reactivity a bit, like the type of reactivity that he has and the journey that you've been through with him?
1: Yeah. So a little background. Um, so both of the dogs were rehomed to me from different family members who to no fault of their own, um, they just found they weren't able to like give the dogs the, the lives that they needed with a better quality of life. So I took them in. Um, I knew both of the dogs since they were puppies in that case, but I didn't own Dobby until he was about like three and a half years old. And Max was 10 months old when I um, officially took him. So, so they um, came from the same family though. So my family, like different family members in my family. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So they're not related. (laughs) Gotcha. Okay. Um, Yeah. So due to, um, Dobby's upbringing, just again, just because it was like new owner error, we've all been there. Um, Mm -hmm. not knowing any different because, you know, we all grew up with the family dog that didn't need any training. Right. So (laughs) because of that, and I think partially genetic wise, like he was like some person's backyard bred dog family, you know, had him. So, um, because of that, he kind of developed some pretty behavioral challenges. Um, like in the first three years of his life, he got a lot of resource guarding behaviors, like guarding food, furniture, people, um, pretty bad separation, anxiety. And he has significant dog reactivity because he was never really properly socialized. And as a result of like one too many dog park visits and negative interactions with other dogs, he developed like battery reactivity to most things that moved. But now that has, you know, been decreased a lot to just dogs. Like he used to lunge at trucks and cars and bikes and people running. Wow. So yeah, it's gotten a lot better since that. So um, yeah, so when I gained ownership of him and then Max, Max came about eight months later, and so Dobby first you know met Max then, and I didn't really have like a chance to integrate them well because I was still living with my parents. So mm-hmm. you know I'm doing the best I can with them in their house. So bringing Max home was really like the catalyst to me going, I need to help Dobby somehow, like he can't go on living like this. If I want him to fit into my lifestyle, especially when he's trying to lunge at max, every time he walks by. Right. So, you know, Max was like a puppy at that time and he's just doing puppy things. Yeah. Um, so that's when I tried finding trainers in my area for dogs with behavioral issues. And I found one who came to the home and this was kind of my jumpstart into like balance training world. I say with air quotes because this guy was completely not a balanced trainer. Okay. Um, it was more like comp- compulsion, mm-hmm. like to the point of abuse. But obviously I didn't know any better because I grew up with the 18-year-old ha- family poodle who didn't, you know,
0: <laughs> do right.
1: anything life. Um, so I find that like a lot of us who find ourselves like immersed in this dog mom life think it's because we've made this transition because at least like one dog has caused us to like learn more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we went from being the average Pet dog owner to growing up with that happy go lucky dog to just existing and, you know, without any enrichment. And then, you know, you get your reactive dog that walks into your life and kind of everything goes upside down. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, that trainer, he kind of came in and um, told me to like slap a prong collar on Dobby. No introduction to it, nothing. He was just like, okay, now start correcting him anytime he barks. Yeah. So you guys can't see her, but her eyeballs. Just <laughs> got- <laughs> yeah, my eyeballs got like five inches tall and wide. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So he, you know, he came into the house and he's like, "Yeah, just you know, put it on him." And then he starts ringing the doorbell and knocking on the door and doing these like very high triggers. And oh he's yeah. Like, yeah, correct him, correct him. And I'm like, "What? This doesn't feel good." He's like, kid. Yeah. You know, he, has, he has to learn that he can't do that." So, um, you know, he didn't condition him at all to the collar and it's just something I'll never forget and advocate for when owners are considering this tool that is completely incorrect way to use it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's supposed to be like a pressure release, like anything, you know? So that was like, and it was unfortunate because I didn't learn more. I started to stay on that kind of spectrum in that balanced training world. And then I had to kind of unlearn all these things that were incorrect, Mm -hmm. you know, and almost like set us back a bit. Um, so from that day to now, it's not really been a linear learning process, which I don't think any dog training is right. Right. Um, you know, I was an owner who found myself requiring Dobby in a strict heel. Every walk was a structured walk every moment and the house was calculated and controlled and it worked for a while, but you know, his reactivity lessons a little bit, but he was, and he was tolerating max a little bit more. Um, I was able to create training and begin to find comfort in that, but we plateaued and then regressed after a while. Um, you know, in this process, I had began to implement the e-caller. This was also, you know, a learning process. And it, again, the use was not linear because I was taught incorrectly. Mm -hmm. Um, and nowadays I only use it for like 99% recall with the tone button. Right. You know, so it's, you know, my thought process has changed a lot in regards to training and what works for him. Um, we you know, we're in a pretty good place now. Again, I've learned a lot in the last few years about what works with Dobby. And um, along the way, I learned about like conditioned emotional responses and Mm -hmm. counter conditioning and scatter feeding and tons of different techniques to use with him on walks during training to kind of build a better emotional response to a lot of his triggers. um, Because that's something I was never taught. Right. You know, like, people don't tell you to consider like how that triggers making him feel you know and the way that i've seen it described is like if you have anxiety right i feel like a mm-hmm. lot of us dog moms have anxiety right. especially yeah. after the, the yeah. last two years like i have anxiety <laughs> i will admit it <laughs> so like the way i look at dobby's reactions is based on like fear yeah so um because of the history he has with dogs you know and just things being scary and not being socialized so the way I look at it is if like, I'm having a bout of anxiety and my friend comes over and they hug me or, you know, comfort me, that's not going to make my anxiety worse. Mm-hmm. Right. It might not make it a hundred percent better, but it's definitely not going to make it worse.
0: Right. So I see
1: that, you know, I used to be a, you pet, what you get kind of person. And now I'm like, that's not black and white.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You're it gone- depends on the dog.
1: Right. I'm like, maybe if your dog is jumping on people and they're going, yeah, buddy, like, mm-hmm. yes, it's reinforcing in that sense. But if he's like, you know, scared of something and I'm going, don't be scared. Like that doesn't make you less scared of the scary thing. Yeah, totally. So I've kind of, Yeah. I've changed my like mindset around that kind of the, the, I mean, the conditioned emotional response type definition and like what it means to him. So, um, that's why I like, on my accounts too, I'm really open to trying to be an advocate for following those with different training methods than you. Mm-hmm. Like, while you may disagree with some things, I've learned a lot from other other people along the spectrum of training.
0: You know, oh, even right. if they don't
1: agree with some of the things that I do. So, yeah. But.
0: Whenever you were talking about your initial experience with that one um, trainer, like he was just putting Dobby over thresholds so much, you know, with like the door knocking, the doorbell, like. And, and all of that, which, you know, we all, I feel like we all know now, like don't intentionally put your dog over threshold Mm -hmm. and like you, yeah, I like, I know that he was telling you to correct him with the prong collar, but I still feel like there are people that do those situations, regardless of like, if you have a a tool, like the prong collar or the e-collar on your dog, um, Mm -hmm. like just the, the. Putting them intentionally over threshold, like in that moment, is so absurd to me.
1: Yeah, I mean that's something that's taught too. And again, it's like you go through these trial and error phases with what right. works with your dog. Like, I mean, it's like when you set a dog up to counter surf so you can correct them to counter mm-hmm. surf. So it's like, are you should you do that, or should you like prevent it from ever being an option? Right. Um. You know, that's a hard discussion because you might want to practice it to be like okay that's a danger zone don't ever do that again because there might be the day when they do get something because you forgot to remove it. So it's hard to know like what you should do. Like my goal in the house is to do preventative stuff now as much as possible. So like don't mm-hmm. leaving don't leave resources out for them to guard. Um because from what I've been learning with him recently, if I can prevent it from happening, it decreases the likelihood of it happening when it is available. Right. So if that makes sense, like with his reactivity, like if I can avoid a big trigger today, if I pass that trigger tomorrow, he's less likely to react to it because he doesn't practice the habit of reacting. Totally. Yeah, a hundred percent. Do you feel like whenever
0: you were in that like very strict training, like rigid, um, you know, like lots of obedience type of thing, like you said that you were doing that and then you kind of plateaued and then you ended up regressing again. Do you feel like it was because during that time whenever like you were kind of like using the rigid structure for for lack of better terminology? Do you think it was because like he just like I don't know how to explain this without like it sounding kind of like weird or bad or something? But like (laughs) he just like lacked confidence because he was never making decisions on his own. And so like whenever you put him in a position where he could, you know, make his own decisions. He was like, well, I don't know what to do because mom's always had me in this like very rigid structure and like always been obedient and told me what to do. And then, then it's like, now that I have freedom, I have no idea.
1: Yes. So I feel like a lot of people who might be doing this currently will notice that they'll have setbacks once they start giving their dogs more freedom. Mm Mm-hmm especially if they go from this, like hundred percent structured all the time to like, okay, here's some free room. Oh, look, you messed up back to the structure. Mm -hmm. Um, because I was like, oh, well he can't make his own decisions because they're always wrong. So I'm going to make them for him. But then he never got the chance to learn what is right, what you should do, but like in a free shaping kind of way versus me like being like, this is what you should do. Cause change doesn't come from somebody else telling you to do it change comes from you volitionally wanting to change yourself and that applies in my job it applies in the dogs right mm-hmm. so same with recall like i backed off the e collar recall because i wanted them to be reliable with verbal recall mm-hmm. you know the e-caller is really just a backup god forbid or you know like a reinforcer here and there but majority of the time it's verbal and food that i'm calling back with because tools fail. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Know. Our e-caller actually one of
0: the, like the, the like prongs on it actually like broke off. And so the circuit like isn't complete, like the electrical circuit is not complete. And I didn't realize it until just the other day. So I feel like everything that Layla has been doing, you know, here recently, like with her recall and stuff has, you know, just been without the e collar because mm-hmm. it wasn't working.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, I took a break from it and I went back to like harness or collar and a long line and mm-hmm. food, you know, and I started just playing with intermittent and rewarding and just making recall fun and like building that relationship. Cause I noticed like when I did recall, it was more like, cause I was doing the button, like the tone, mm-hmm. you know, and I want my dogs to come to me cause they want to come, you know, not just because right. I just told them to, um, it's really the same with Dobby. So, like on my walks recently, I've been doing a lot more like food reward, eye contact reward, but I'm not doing a lot of like pressure with the leash. Like he walks in a pretty nice heel on his own now. Like my dogs, I don't really have, to, I don't really hold them in a heel anymore. It's more so just don't pull on the leash and then we can, you go off wherever you want in front of me, behind me, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but on walks, typically I'll utilize changes of direction, food scattering, or, you know, recall like little bits of backwards running whatever to make the walk more interesting but when we pass triggers now I find him doing a lot more of like oh is that okay and he'll look at me i be like yeah that's good oh that's awesome yeah it's so awesome like and you can just tell like he'll there's moments where like he'll look and like he might get a little tense and that's like when trainers used to be like correct that
0: yeah correct correct it." it like before he reacts
1: right and I tried that I had a setback with him uh, not even like a month ago because I was like, oh, let me try it, you know, just again, just because whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, he got worse. Like he just doesn't respond well to it. Like maybe some dogs do, but just with him, I've tried it and it made him worse in the house. It made him worse outside. Mm -hmm. I was like, he hasn't been reacting like this in a while. Like what's going on? Yeah. So I went back to like the food scattering, changes of direction. And um, yeah, we had a great walk the other day at the park three mile loop, 21 dogs, no barking. Like, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, He's starting to make like connections with like, okay, I can look, it's not a big threat. What does she want me to do? Okay. I get food. That's cool. And then goes to sniff or walks by. Mm -hmm. So those are like volitional changes he's making to associate. Like, that's not a big deal anymore. Um, and I get like good things after I see them versus me correcting him and be like, okay, it's a big deal. Cause he like amps up when I like he anticipates, mm-hmm. you know, and then like a, it's almost correction like correction or whatever. Either yeah, that or like it's like poking them. So he's like, right. it's like if you're anxious and somebody's poking you and you're like, ah yeah, no, I totally get it. I totally get it. So do you have e-callers
0: for both Max and Dobby since Max is not reactive?
1: I do, and I did so mostly for recall for Max.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that's really the only thing I use it on him for. Okay.
0: What's it like having just two completely different personality types for dogs?
1: Um, I think it's nice to have a break. Yeah. (laughs) I feel for you guys with just the reactive dog. It's tough. Um, So I always say, you know, I love the differences between the two. If I can combine the best of both of them into one dog, it'd be like the perfect mix. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I love how drivey Dobby is. He loves to learn and work whether it's strict training obedience, or we did agility last year. Um, he's very much a handler focused dog when he gets past the reactive tendencies. And, um, he's also what I would call like consent based as I've learned. Okay. Um, he's pretty clear when it comes to being petted or handled. Like some of what we're working on right now is learning through cooperative care. Um, so he's very clear in terms of body language if he's uncomfortable. So he's like the dog that I tell people, if he comes to you and asks to be pet, then you can pet him. That's the only right. time. And he'll often go up to people, give him a sniff and then walk away. Mm-hmm. So if he ever goes up to somebody and he's like, Hey, pet me. I'm like, wow.
0: He must like, really he like you.
1: Cause <laughs> he doesn't do it that often. He'll go get a sniff and I'll come back to him look at me. Like that was a good, right? And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Aww. Which one's um, your
0: escape artist?
1: Max. Okay. So, that surprises me. You know. Yeah. Well, he's so smart. So Max is what I call like my, um, anywhere, anytime dog. Um, you know, he loves people, loves being handled. Like while he's, he has great dog and dog body language. Like he can really read other dogs well. And he can also like assert himself as appropriately needed. Um, he doesn't have a single mean bone in his body. So if he barks at somebody, I'm like, all right, we're backing away from this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, yeah, you could toss him around like a flapjack and he wouldn't give a care of the world.
0: (laughs) Really? Yep but he's an escape artist
1: that cracks me up yeah he's funny because he's a lot less motivated and drivey than Dobby um I think it's the companion breed in him yeah but he's very like so Japanese chin is one of the breeds he's mixed with which are supposed to be like a cat-like dog like if you look them up they have cat-like tendencies so that like independent I do what I want knock your glass off the table kind of creature I think that's um a little bit of where he gets his uh escape artist tendencies from (laughs) that is Um, so funny I have videos of him doing it too I don't know how he sneaks his body through the crate sometimes I'm like dude this is so unsafe
0: (laughs) (laughs) is one of them smaller than the other or are they Um, like about
1: the same Bobby's a little shorter if you can tell he has very stubby legs (laughs) okay Max is a little bit lankier gotcha um but like width-wise, they're pretty similar. Like they wear the same size clothes and stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, but yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, I definitely would have expected for Dobby to be the escape artist.
1: It's funny though because you'd think that, but since he's the one with less confidence, he's much more of like a ba- a mental barrier type. So like, oh yeah, that
0: makes sense.
1: Yeah, so like you can put something in front of him and he's like, okay, I can't get over that. Meanwhile, Max is like, I'm just gonna squeeze my face right there. <laughs>
0: that's crazy so have you learned anything from having two different dogs like um you know like their personality types are very different and do you feel like it's made you grow
1: I do I feel like um I've learned to appreciate them for what makes them different um I'm very grateful for Max because he has become that rock of a dog you know, that bomb-proof, just absolutely lovable, wonderful creature you want everyone to meet. Um, but he wouldn't have become that well-trained dog if it hadn't been for the foundation and training and work I've learned thanks to Dobby, right? Oh, so true. So Dobby has kind of like taught me how to be an advocate, which goes, you know, way beyond dog training, even in how to be like patient, ref- you know, reflect on my emotions tied to his needs. Um, it takes a lot of humbling to be an owner and admit where you were wrong or where you can improve and, um, being willing to make those changes. So Dobby's kind of taught me to be more resilient and accepting and open to, you know, accepting limits while Max has pushed me to do more. Um, you know, it's because of Max's overall to me, I pursued the therapy dog work with him. It just feels like it's his calling. So, you know, to bring joy to more people than just me. So it's kind of cool to see where they've led me, um, to where we are now. So it sounds like you
0: just have like a really just happy balance with having both of them.
1: Yeah, I would say that. Um I think the now that I've learned to wakes up that Dobby can't always go everywhere that Max goes, it's made the relationship better with both dogs. Mm-hmm. Um I'm sure like other people might have realized that with their reactive dog if they spend more solo time with one, right. You know, one-on-one one time that it's usually better. Even even with Max, like they they will both react to each other or like max will feed off of dobby or dobby will feed off the max on a walk um recently they've actually been better so i have been walking them together again but like in the beginning like if dobby barked max would be like yeah i'm gonna back you up i don't know why but i'm gonna do it <laughs> you know or like if max stiffens because max doesn't react but he'll like sometimes mm-hmm. take a look then dobby will be like what what is it <laughs> you know? what so should I'm, we do <laughs> i'm like no stop
0: that's funny Um, that's
1: why like my focus is usually on Dobby. So I don't micromanage Max because if I can keep Dobby under threshold, Max follows suit.
0: Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Did you have to do like a lot of management with them whenever you first like introduced Max to Dobby?
1: I had to keep Dobby on a leash in the house because he kept lunging at him. And
0: he was just a puppy. Like Max was just a puppy.
1: Yeah. Max was 10 months old. So he was just like, and his bouncy self but like dobby wasn't used to a dog running around like that like my my senior dog ralph was still alive like our family dog and he was like 16 or 17 like mm-hmm. dobby knew him since he was a puppy but ralph was like super chilled he didn't really play like he was just like a dog like a human kind of dog um so yeah dobby didn't have any other experience with like a dog like max right so it took a lot of like parallel walks with them. They both learned how to create train. Um, but my focus was really on like managing Dobby's behaviors at that point. But like the more he he would go after Max, that's really what brought me to tears and kind of pushed me into the, you know, figuring out what's going on. Like I have to do something. This can't mm-hmm. be. He won't fit into my lifestyle if I can't have him be more comfortable in these situations. So, Yeah a journey.
0: (laughs) Yeah, totally. Okay. So speaking of like managing and management, what is it like to manage and work with two dogs while you're doing these huge hikes, especially if you're like always around or if you're also around other dogs?
1: Yeah. So, um, to be honest, hiking feels like one of the most natural things to do with the two dogs um, you know, thanks to the hours of recall work I've put in, in the relationship building, they're absolute rock stars when we're on the trail. It's one That's of my awesome. favorite places to be. Yeah. Um, you know, they're not dogs that wander off the trail. Like they don't go sniffing off into the woods. They're pretty good about staying on, you know, leave no trace principles, as we would say. Um, <laughs> Max usually likes to walk a little bit ahead, but I've been working with him on, um, kind of keeping a boundary. So he doesn't go past that boundary anymore, really, unless there's somebody I'm hiking with up ahead and he's mm-hmm. like, okay, I can hang out with them. Um, but with me, when I'm solo, he will stop and wait on his own until I catch up or I just give him a weight command and he'll stop where he is until I right. get closer. Um, in regards to Dobby, I've done a lot of heel work with him in the past. So he chooses to remain in a, either a heel or behind me when we're hiking, which is oh, honestly great. perfect. Yeah. It's like perfect. I highly recommend training that if you have a reactive dog. Um, because he doesn't really drift behind at all. He stays right where I am.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, you know, my reactive dog mom eyes, I'm sure you have them too. Yes. Yeah, scanning. <laughs> always. They always see or hear people ahead or behind of us, you know, whether it's, they're just people or they have dogs. So I'm able to leash them back up quickly while they're off leash. If that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um, if Dobby does go ahead, he recalls it like immediately. He's that's extra great. on the trail. Um, and then when I have to pass other dogs on the trail, I will either make space if I'm able to give the other party a warning to give us space if possible. And, you know, last resort, I know you can't do this with a bigger dog, but I can pick him up like mm-hmm. first, if I need to with his hiking harness on, um, or we just work our way quickly by, because with movement, he's a lot better. So it's kind of like, just keep the leash by my heel and we just scoot yes. on by. Um, And I've, I've come to learn that, like, even if we pass in close quarters and there may be a brief reaction that those aren't always setbacks for him now. Um, I don't let the fear of like a short reaction on the trail, stop us from going because he's at a point in his training now where he bounces back immediately and it doesn't ruin his whole day. So that's great. Like, yeah, like I kind of grade his reactivity in the sense that, um, how quickly he recovers. Mm -hmm. So, um, if it's a, if it's a few seconds, that's cool with me. And on the trail, it's usually like immediately once they're by us, if he's back off leash going forward.
0: Yeah. I think recovery time is an excellent way to see where your dog's reactivity is. And if it's improving, um, I use that a lot with Layla. So she's not super dog reactive actually. Um, and so she's more like fear-based reaction to like sounds, sights, um like different objects like a skateboard, scooters, anything like that. Um and she runs though. So she's not a fight dog, she's a flight dog. Um yeah. and so that is what really terrifies me whenever we're on hikes. Um and just because if something were to come out of nowhere and it scare her yeah. it could, you know, make her go into flight mode. Um, That has happened once whenever she was a puppy and it was because she's very scared of water and we were at like a swimming hole and people were jumping in and splashing and it just freaked her out. Um, And so and that was like way before we like started training or anything. Like this was very much like pre-dog mom obsessed life. Yeah. <laughs> um, And so- Yeah. She sounds like actually very opposite of Dobby because Uh she likes to explore. She likes to be ahead. She likes to, um, sniff out everything. Um, but I will say, I don't think like she would ever have a super bad reaction on a hike unless we were like, unless there were gunshots, honestly, or like Uh fireworks that went off. Um, I think she she would be fine as long as um, like one of those like loud noises didn't happen because she's totally fine around water now. She just does not like to get in it or swim in it um, unless it's just like very shallow. In terms of like hiking for us, the recall is like it has to be spot on just because I always want to make sure to give other people space and like other i have to watch for other animals like squirrels and deer Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing
1: so that's like the good thing with them like if i give them the chance like in my yard they'll go after squirrels or rabbits but like on the trail like if i say like a no or leave it they they listen you know Mm -hmm. like there was chipmunks tormenting max on our last hike but you know he's like all right yeah cheese it but i'll stare at it (laughs) but yeah, we've, I mean, we've had off-leash dogs come running up to us. I've had off-leash dogs coming and their owners are far away. Like it, you gotta kind of be comfortable with just being like, no, and putting your hand out. Um, I always leash my guys first. That's the absolute priority. So even if the dog's right out of my feet, as as long as I have control of mine, I can start doing what I need to do with that person's dog. Um, but typically if I'm by myself, I will yell ahead. Like my dog is not friendly or my dog doesn't like other dogs. Like can you leash back up? And they either will, or they'll like pick their dog up if they don't have a leash mm-hmm. with them. Um, and it is nice when I do have somebody to hike with, cause usually they'll go ahead and then they'll either be like, Hey, dog coming or they'll tell the people ahead like, Hey, my friend's dog doesn't like other dogs. So mm-hmm. that's always a nice like little perk. Yeah. That's great. Do you have to like mentally
0: prepare for hikes at all? Like, do you have to like mentally prepare yourself to go out and say no or like did you ever have to kind of get that confidence
1: um honestly I don't think I ever really thought about it um I don't think about it now it's just so habit um don't you know like my I was always scanning in the neighborhood as it was so on the trail I almost feel like I get to relax because when you're on a trail they're only coming from one of two directions behind you or in front of you right so there's a lot less places you need to look Um, and you can typically hear people or see them coming ahead of time. You know, whenever we go around a blind corner, my dogs are always right near me just in case. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I feel like all of us get to kind of take a deep breath because there's not a lot of stuff to, you know, deal with. And typically I always aim to hike at less busy hours if possible. Yeah. Um, I'm an early start early morning kind of person because there's always going to be less people going up. And then if you pass people on the way down, it's not a big deal. But yeah, so that's the one thing I would say if you're trying to hike with a reactive dog on a busier trail, try to get there as early as you can, because you could guarantee almost that you'll have the trail to yourself at least one way.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. So you are a solo dog mom, right? And so (laughs) like, I always have my fiance to fall back on if I'm sick or like out of town or whatever. Um, and I'm really thankful for that. So like, I don't know how some of you like single dog owners do it sometimes. Like it amazes me. Like I applaud you so much, especially with having multiple dogs. So what has that experience like been like, and do you feel like it's shaped you in any way?
1: Yeah. So it's something I haven't, like, I'm lucky to have a one of my best friends you've probably seen her dog on my account a few times she's local so she's always willing to watch the dogs for me and we kind of do that favor for each other or you know we we're the kind of friends where it's like you get my bill i'll get it next time kind of people right um so she's she knows how dobby operates and she's really great at managing him with her dog in the house so she's been kind of my priority dog watcher when we're not traveling together um max i feel like i can leave with anybody because Mm -hmm. he's so good. So it's more so Dobby that I have to worry about because, um, he has had instances where he's landed teeth on people because he was resource guarding or he didn't like how you, how you moved him off the couch. Right. Um, so those are things I kind of like warn people, like he has commands for those things that you don't have to physically touch him, you know, to get him away from a resource or whatever. Um, and he is also muzzle trained if that's like a best case scenario for somebody, like if you don't feel comfortable, like he has you know, how to wear his muzzle if he needs it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like with being a solo dog mom, it's kind of forced me into having to like put someone else first in the sense that it's so automatic for me to consider the dogs um, when I'm making most of my decisions. Um, you know, well, I'll never say I know what it feels like to be a human mom at this point. I do think that there are a lot of parallels from the moms that I know in my life where it's like, you know, when you make plans to do something, you have to consider can the dogs come or who will watch the dogs or how long can the dogs tolerate this crowd or this environment? Um, along with, like, what do I need to pack for the dogs for this trip? You know, they have their own suitcase full of like food, toys, clothing items, comfort items, medications. Like, you know, um, I also have to like plan things knowing that at any moment I may leave or turn around on a trail because one of them gets hurt. They just are done, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, this happened once on one of my solo trips to the Adirondacks. I was going to do one more hike. We got about a mile in, it was drizzly. We had done a few hikes that week and the dogs were just lagging behind me. And I was like, dang, like, I really wanted to get to this viewpoint, but they were like, no. So we turned around. Yeah. yeah. You know, I feel like it's very similar when you have kids, like you can say we're going to go to the water park to get there and the kids have a meltdown. Okay. Well, I guess we're going home now, you know? Um. So I find like in some ways I do find myself becoming like if I do become a human mom in the future and I find that dog dad to take care of the boys, like, um, having them has kind of prepared me and knowing things aren't always going to go as planned. And, you know, because it's a mindset I've already had for so long. Um, you know, before I lived on my own with them, my parents would watch them when I'd go hiking or on trips and I'm not going to lie. It was a lot easier,
0: Mm -hmm. but, um,
1: you know, it's definitely more difficult planning for the dogs, but it also makes solo travel less lonely and like a little bit more fun because you get to kind of you get the joy out of seeing your dog experience the things for the first time. Um and it's also like a great conversation starter. So you you do get to meet people like along the way. And I, I really enjoy that aspect of solo travel. Man, I love that. And
0: I was thinking about it um because you said like they do so well on hikes. Like your mm-hmm. your dogs do. I mean, like you have to remember that that's like just a ton of biological fulfillment with for them. <laughs> yeah. They um, love it. Yeah. It's like so you fun. said, it's like a you know, reset, like a mindset reset for for all three of you. And so yeah. that's like the best case scenario.
1: Especially like if Dobby and I are just like, butting heads because he is that like stubborn child sometimes right (laughs) um whenever we are in that kind of rut we go to a trail because we we like on the same page on the trail he has his happy eyes on his little wiggly tail like he is just so content and he's like yeah this is great
0: oh that's (laughs) so awesome
1: so you know it's it's nice to have that kind of be our happy place Mm
0: -hmm. did you like anticipate that that would be such a organic content like thing for
1: you all to do together no honestly I don't even know what I would do if they didn't like being outside I don't know. <laughs> I can't even think <laughs> about it <laughs> it's it's funny too because max i say he's like an old man the dog does he sleeps like he sleeps 90 percent of the time he's he's been passed out on this bed over there for the past like two hours. oh my gosh yeah he's curled so up. but the dog is up for, for anything and once he gets on the trail he's got more oomph in him than me and dobby he's always up and back up and back um well but, that's yeah, why he sleeps so much so that he I know, right? <laughs> he's like a snake. He has like a meal, like he goes on a trail once, and then he's done for the month. Like he's like, I gotta refresh. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> but um yeah, it's funny. I just find that they both really just enjoy and you know, the sniffing, the smells, the sights, mm-hmm. like it's I think they get to like exert themselves in that in that atmosphere in a really nice, like you said, fulfilling way. Because they are terriers, you know, like they're kind of born to be doing stuff outside, um. So I don't know. I I don't know what I would do if they didn't like being outside.
0: <laughs> man, yeah, that would be nuts because it's it just <laughs> yeah they I just seem like that they're made for it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I see people who have dogs and they're like, yeah, they don't like they go for like a mile walk and they're done. I'm like, oh man, I don't yeah. even know what I
0: would do in that situation. <laughs> yeah, I know dogs like that. My dog growing up was like that. Like he. Mm-hmm you know, he was very content inside.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's funny because people see them and, um, they're like, oh, they're not going to be able to get up that. Like there's a lot of scrambles and I'm like, do you guys see how small they are? Like, if I need to, I can just hoist them up myself. It's not a big deal. <laughs> right. But they, they do, they scale stuff like three times, four times their size. You know, I don't really help them that much on the trail. They don't often get a lift from me maybe once I've had to give Max like a little bit of a ride because he got tired but um and all the times we've gone hiking I haven't really assisted that much
0: huh that is crazy just because they are so small like I can see like Layla doing it because she's a bigger dog and um but yeah just like where they're so small it's awesome it is so awesome
1: yeah I almost feel like I have more confidence hiking with them because they are small knowing like God forbid, if I had to, I can just put them in my backpack and carry them out.
0: <laughs> totally. I could not do that with Layla. She is way too heavy. No. <laughs> I like picked her up today for a picture and I was out of breath afterwards. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was like, they're basically the weight of a backpacking bag. So
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're tiny. Okay. So to wrap things up, I want to ask you, what does having a dog mom mentality mean to you?
1: Um, so I had to think about this. I feel like it's going to be funny. So I feel like having a dog mom mentality from my perspective, it means having like a deeper connection with your dog. So it's, it's a form of dog ownership where it's more of like a partnership between you and your dog, um, because it's give and take, um, you like prioritize their mental, emotional, and physical health. And in turn, it provides you joy to see them thrive and, you know, experience what life has to offer inside and outside of your house. in a way it does feel silly to like love a dog so much to most people. I feel like, um, it's not always reciprocated amongst all dog owners, you know? Um, but like for those of us who get it, we we can like kind of tell what our dogs are thinking or feeling like, because we're so in tune with their mannerisms and their behaviors that it's just something unique about it. So, um, I always say these dogs are like the only ones who've gotten me up on the bad days, right. Being the solo dog mom, like there is nobody else there to get you out of bed or, you know, get you up and taking care of yourself. So, you know, they've got me out of bed on days where I couldn't or I was sick or, you know, COVID pandemic. You know, the dogs are right. the ones that were there to get me out, you know, when life was rough at the hospital. So for no other reason to be like, hey, like they threw a chew toy in my lap or like Max is slapping me in the face because he wants dinner, you know. Um, so they'll never know how important it was for them to do those things for me on those hard days. So that's kind of what like the dog mom mentality means to me. Mean. You know, you think of your dog about about your dog as like an individual with their own needs in life and you do your best to satisfy those needs the same as you would anyone else in your life that means something to you you know through listening learning and through building a relationship
0: yeah I think the give and take like what you said is so spot on so spot on I love how you described all of that I love how (laughs) everyone describes a dog mom mentality it like always makes me emotional
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Always funny. Yeah, it's it's funny when you know when people don't have that relationship with the dog, right. like they'll never get it. And you know, I just I'm I'm glad I have that. It's you know they're they're like my best friends. These dogs.
0: Man, me too. I totally feel the same way. Like I'm, she like Layla's taught me just so much that I wouldn't have learned if I wasn't a dog owner and didn't go through the experiences I had with her. Totally yeah, changed my life
1: and it's brought me through like into this community of so many people from like across the country different countries like these people are rad like they're other healthcare professionals like lawyers scientists you know we're meeting all these really cool you know independent women through this community so you know and there's like the you know the cool dog dads are out there too got to respect them yeah um, <laughs> But it's, it's really cool to kind of see because we all have that kind of love for our dog and get that value out of that relationship with our dog and we can all bond over that, which is really cool.
0: Yeah, 100%. Um, I love that you were like these independent women. Whenever you said that, I was like, yeah, heck Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. Okay. So thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And I loved hearing all about your experience with two dogs, two different dogs and, and your hiking tips. So thank you for that. Um, if you want to tell everyone where they can find you on Instagram and whatever other social media that you have.
1: Um, we are at the traveling terriers on Instagram and I think TikTok. I think. <laughs> <You> think. <laughs> i don't do the tiktok as often the kids these days the youths are better at it than i am um (laughs) uh, yes the traveling terriers are on tiktok and instagram so that's where we will be
0: awesome go follow for some really great photography and cool mountain view pictures because you have some good ones (laughs) And some funny videos. You make funny videos. You should be on TikTok more. Like, you, I, I don't like know how t- to
1: edit things on TikTok. It's I so feel amazing. like your videos are good
0: for TikTok. <laughs> like, you just make funny, random ones. I think they're good. I have to, yeah.
1: I'm very, so I have ADHD, so my thought processes are very sporadic. So I hope you guys enjoy that as well, because that's where my real,
0: <laughs> well, I enjoy them. So, okay. <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks everyone for listening to another episode and we will talk to you next time.
1: All right. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you all for listening to another episode of the dog mom mentality podcast my name is caroline you can find us on instagram and tiktok at dog mom mentality and if you haven't already please make sure to rate review and subscribe wherever you are listening i hope you have a great rest of your day and if nothing else i hope you get to play with your dog today